You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. So for the past number of weeks, we've been looking at what God built his church with, i.e. us that we're living stones and we change and we grow. Have you found benefit in that? Have you found things that you maybe hadn't considered before? Hopefully you're starting to recognize more and more that you're absolutely unique. You may have similarities. I'm sure many of you knew that already, but aren't there always levels to these things? That uh, there are things about you that uh, are completely different to everybody else. There'll be things that are similar to you, but God made you to be you. That uh, we are placed by God and we can move out of place. We can choose to resist that placement. That we are unique, as I've mentioned, but we can also have tried to achieve that uniqueness by the methods of our own soul. That in our soul survival kit that we've mentioned many times, it's been crafted over many years. Andrew talked about us wanting to be someone out of insecurity and self-interest and also the hideous canker as the spirit had uh, pointed out to him that not wanting to be somebody can be an equally that side of self-interest and out of insecurity. It's just at the other end of the spectrum. That there's a unity that brings, uh, that there's a unity in our uniqueness that the more that we find out who we are, the more that we then uh, live that person as to who we are. As Soren Kierkegaard said, as I mentioned last week, with God's help, I'll become myself. The more we connect with God, the more we become ourselves. The more that we're together, then there's a unity that comes as we present that uniqueness. And then last week, we're, we were talking about yielded uniqueness, the unison song of the Spirit, that when we offer to God who we are, and we follow his leadership and those that he's appointed to lead us, then there's a unity that he uh, blesses and commands blessing on. And today, I suppose it's quite a logical progression that I want to speak today about the enemy of unity, because we know full well, do we not, that everything that God does is opposed. It's not as if you've claimed some ground in God, that you learn some area of discipleship, you, you grow some fruit in your life, and then somehow it, it's just ease and it's fine after that. Am I, it's not, I'm not on my own, sure I'm not. It's always difficult. There's always opposition. It's always a challenge. So everything that God does is opposed. We have an enemy. We know this. And the enemy hates us. And I've said this before, but Hollywood's done a great job at kind of making the enemy this kind of lovable rogue. That really, in the end, he's going to go, oh, sure, I was just causing you a wee bit of hassle. We have to understand that we are hated, that he wants to ultimately remove us off the face of the earth, that there's no redemption for him, that there's no way back for him, that it's, it's not good. So on that basis, we have an enemy. And we need to recognize how serious that that actually is. And then look at our God who laughs at him. And let's not get too serious about all this. So it's this balance of it's really, really serious. We've got an enemy. God doesn't seem to be overly concerned. We just need to do what he's asking us to do. And if we do that, we're going to be all right. So I want to demystify the enemy a little bit. 
he doesn't announce his activity. I think that maybe we expect that if it's the enemy, it's going to be like, you know, okay, just pause for a second. Uh, okay, the enemy has now arrived on site, everyone. This is the activity of the enemy. No, it's always hidden. It always seems that it could be somebody else. And really, uh, him being recognized is the worst thing for his strategy. And whenever that they are recognized, it, it's because every other avenue isn't actually open to them anymore. He doesn't announce his arrival, and therefore we have to be alert to someone who is going to be incredibly hard to see. He doesn't say, I'm here, I am actively going to thwart the purposes of God. You'll begin to experience some thoughts that are not your own. You'll have some cursing in your spread, and please note, this is me, it's not you, nor is it the Spirit of God. Typically, we wrestle going, I don't know, is this just me? Is it God's that's telling me that this, actually, I shouldn't be doing this thing? There's the tussle, isn't there? It's not clear, but we do have points in Scripture and principles that God has given to us to help us recognize when the enemy's present. One being a favorite verse for me, Proverbs 15, 4, a deceptive tongue crushes the spirit. Any time that you experience crushing, you're dealing with a deceptive tongue. Also, Jesus said that you will know them by the fruit that is produced, and typically, neg negativity and stuff that comes from the enemy will produce relatively quickly negative fruit and evil fruit. Jesus said this in John 8, 43 to 45. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you're unable to accept my message. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, refusing to uphold the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar and he's the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. The point I want to make there is Jesus is saying that the enemy doesn't have any truth in him. But because of what we've grown up in, typically the lies tend to feel truer than the truth, don't they? It's harder to actually embrace the truth because it's so foreign to us so much of the time. So we've got to be aware of his schemes Again, we don't want to be looking for him everywhere because remember, God's not concerned, but we need to be aware of him. And also we're counseled to not be unaware. So we need to be aware and not unaware. I want to give you an example. So the, the enemy may suggest a course of action. Then when the course of action is accepted and acted on, and I'm pretty confident that we've all done this. So he suggests something to us. Then when we act on the course of action, uh, we've accepted it and acted on it, and it goes paired he switches position from being the tempter to being the accuser. Why did you do that? You're stupid. Why? No, you knew that that wasn't going to work out. Why did you do that? Look, you've hurt everybody. Look what you've done. Am I on my own? Even to raise your hand if you can connect with that. So you're, nobody's really, oh, one, two, advance advanced three. Oh, everyone. So he comes, tempts. Then we yield to the temptation, and remember, the will cannot choose what is not right. Therefore, the will has to embrace some sort of deception. So this sort of, I don't know, it doesn't seem right to me, but then it maybe does, but everybody else doesn't. Maybe I should just do it. Then he moves position when we've acted on it, and then starts to accuse us. And the handcuffs that he tries to restrain us with are condemnation and shame. And remember, in communion, we talked about that we're members of a new covenant. We're not under condemnation anymore. We live under grace. 
the enemy's obviously not stupid. He's an ancient creature. He's been doing this for a long time, but God is infinitely wiser and infinitely stronger. And the enemy's strategy, now we're getting to the heart of it, this is about uh, protecting ourselves. The strategy that he has is division, distance, and disunity. This is Mark 3, 20 to 27. Then Jesus went home, and once again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples couldn't even eat. When his family heard about this, they went out to take custody of Jesus, of him, saying he's out of his mind. And the scribes who'd come down from Jerusalem were saying he's possessed by Beelzebub and by the prince of the demons that he drives out demons. So Jesus called them together and began to speak to them in parables. He said, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, it cannot stand. And there's the key, key um, sentence there. If a kingdom is divided against itself, it cannot stand. His end has come. Indeed, no one can enter a strong man's house to steal his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. That's Mark 3, 20 to 27. So a kingdom that is divided against itself cannot stand. So the enemy typically uses a blow of offense to cause a fracture. Then if the offense is accepted, it causes distance, which brings about separation. And then the final stage is departure, which becomes the only acceptable means to be able to hold on to the position of offense. So let me say that again. The blow of offense to fracture, offense accepted causes distance to separate, and then departure becomes the only acceptable means to hold on to the offense. So you've got offense, distance, and departure. John Bevere uh, wrote a brilliant book called The Bait of Satan, which is a really, really helpful tool. If you want to uh, learn more about how you protect yourself from ending up in the position where you're offended and the enemy has somewhere to hang his hat, and has a foothold, then I recommend this book. It's called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. He talks about how the enemy uses the bait of offense to draw us into a process that will cause us to abort our participation in God's will for our lives. Now, we've all done it. We've all accepted offense. We've all uh, chosen to step off the participation. But the great news is that wherever we are, no matter how far we're into it, today's a new day. And we can choose to, to say our stories, to make restitution, and to get back, and I was going to say get back in touch with God, but you know what I mean, put our hand back into his and walk forwards again. And Jesus commented that in the last days, this is Matthew 24, 10, in the last days, many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. God heals with forgiveness and the enemy fractures and separates with offense. Let me say that again. God heals with forgiveness, and the enemy fractures with offense. So the solution, and what I'm suggesting to you, the solution is, is context over content. Someone had said that to me a number of months ago, and it is just a phenomenal way of understanding how we overcome Basically, it's the same language as objectivity and subjectivity, context over content. So we've just shared communion together as a community, a common union and a common unity. 
we remember the context that we are together because of Jesus and because of his sacrifice. That would mean that we are together with the Father again. We can have a relationship with him and you and I are together as brothers and sisters. The content is that you and I can have differences of opinion, that we hurt each other at times and sometimes cause opportunity for offense, and that's content. And I think that one thing that we are, hopefully, hopefully you agree with me, that we're quite good at in DCB is we don't want to dodge the fact that there's lots of negative realities. We all have difficulty, don't we? We've hurt each other at times, and I've had different members come to me and say, Colin, what you said hurt me, or what you did hurt me, and I've approached others saying, I find that difficult and it hurt me when that happened. So we do, it's a reality, really, of human relationships that we hurt each other. You and I, though, are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, which is the context. But you and I can also sometimes hurt each other and have differences, which is the content. We've always got to choose the context over the content. So a couple of examples. I'm sure you've probably got this already, but a couple of examples. So at times, husbands and wives have differences. I know shock horror. Yes, we do, don't we? And, you know, people just start breaking down. Can we do? Absolutely. We're sitting in one right now. It's terrible. We experience difficulties and we experience hurt. But the context of the marriage pips the negative content of what they're experiencing. I'm saying they, obviously, because Claire and I have never experienced that. Of what they're experiencing that would cause them to want to entrench a position of distance, whether that is emotional or whether that's physical, and then they depart. Can you connect with that one? Okay, the next one is obviously a family. I'll use my own context. Growing up, my brother really, really annoyed me. Um, my mom and dad really, really annoyed me. Um, I really annoyed them and deeply hurt mom and dad. And I was at times hurt by them. That's the content. But they're my mom and dad and Simon's my brother. That's the context. The content has changed. We get on really very well now. We're not around each other as much, so I don't know whether there's a correlation to that. But we really get on very well if we're around together lots. Typically, somebody goes for a walk at some stage. But the content has changed, but the context has not. But because we didn't hold on to the content, but we held on to the context, we're a family. We've confronted and we've healed. Circumstances are different now. You and I are called together in this place by God to be his church in DCB. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We're discovering more of who we are on the unexpectedly, incredibly messy process and journey of discipleship that is causing wholeness within us in a way that isn't tidy, but it is. And God is pulling together the fractured part of ourselves so that we're a whole, and the more whole you and I are, then the more whole we are as a church and the more unity that there is that God blesses. The content is a difficulty, but we are called together by God in this place to be his church, brothers and sisters together in Jesus Christ. That's the context. When we live solely to the content, we ride the roller coaster of just life, just up and down it goes. 
that uh, when things are really, really good, everything's wonderful, we're all together, we're all high-fiving, it's just one big happy family. But whenever it's difficult, it more resembles hell. And we put our finger on the ejector switch. It's too hard. Boom, I'm going to get out of there. When we live to the context, we're called together as God's children, we're still going to experience the hurt and the difficulty. But because we prioritize relationship, primarily our relationship with him, and then our relationship with, with, with each other, we confront each other in loving and healthy ways. Jesus said, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they won't listen, then take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And that's Matthew 18, 15 to 17. And then Ephesians 4, 15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, um, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And that's Ephesians 4, 15. So we remain and we find that the opportunities, i.e. the content that could have caused offense, distance and departure, and sometimes it still causes offense. But if we can put into place that we're going to deal with it, then what could have caused difficulty um, or offense distance and departure ends up bringing us closer together, affirming the context, and we become even more ourselves. Unity increases and blessing is commanded and flows. It's a love thing. It's an agape type of love, God's type of love, and it's context over content. So I hope that I've used those words so much that they're probably starting to irritate you. But go away and ponder this. Where in your life are you yielding and prioritizing content rather than looking at the context of what God has called you to do? You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.